Basically, we're talking about the core or the values of Vertical Church. And what we believe uh, and sort of our heart that we set out to do was our vertical story. The scripture says, when Christ be lifted up, he'll draw all men unto him. And we know that's talking about the rapture. But we also know that when we point glory unto God, when we give glory unto God, when we lift his name up, when we give him praise and we give testimony, we, we lift his name vertical, it draws men unto him when we give praise. And then I also believe that when we give thanks to God and we, and we bless his name and we give glory, I believe that then he then responds again. And it's sort of like this recycling uh, thing in our life. And, and, and some of you can say, well, I don't know about that or whatever. But you go all throughout scripture and there's times where the people of God would stop and they would be along a path and God would do something in their life. And they would always make these monuments or things to remember whether they wore a prayer shawl and it had you know, the tassels on it of the Torah and all these different kinds of things they did as reminders. Why? Because the stories are what it's about. We talked about a couple of weeks ago how even in, um, even in our lives, when you go to a funeral, you know, they put the date up there and it says 19-something to whatever, and then there's the dash in between. And when you go to a funeral, people get up there and they don't talk about, well, you know, they were great. They had this kind of house and they drove this kind of car. No, they get up there and they talk about the stories, the valuable stories, the, the meaningful things, the significant things that people did while they were here. Why? Because it's about your story. And then we talked about in Corinthians where it says, we all are like a letter. We're living letters. We, are, we, we have Christ written on our hearts. Our stories are what people are drawn to. And we talked about how uh, preach Jesus, but use words if necessary. Let our lives be the story of God in our life and the goodness of God in our life. And so um, that's kind of our vertical story is when we live on display, giving glory unto God instead of taking it for ourselves. Um, that's the vertical story. But today, part four, I want to talk about this. Um, I was 21, so that was 10 years ago already, and I was already two years uh, full-time in the ministry. I got in ministry really, really young, and so I had already been a youth pastor, children's pastor for about two years full-time, and I was burned out. I was toast. I was so frustrated, and I was angry towards people, and I was just toast. And, um, and I heard this sermon or this thought, which I'm going to talk about here. Uh, I heard this one day, and then I also had somebody come to me and say, hey, you know, the reason you're so burned out is because I was doing all this stuff real young, active in every kind of ministry. And uh, they said, hey, you're burned out because every time I went into prayer or every time I went to study the word or every time I went to do that, it was always for something else. It was for a lesson I was going to do for the kids or a Bible study or I was a part of. And so every time I spent time with God, it was for some other good thing, but it was never for myself. And so I had this mentor come to me and was like, hey, you're burned out. I know you're burned out. Um, you need to be more selfish. I was like, what? What are you talking about? Be more selfish. It's like, no, your time with God needs to be more selfish. You need to spend time with God for you instead of all these other things that you're a part of. And so I'm kind of like, well, those other things are good things. I'm a part of all these other good things. It's a good thing that I said, no, no, no. We minister out of the overflow. Like our lives need to be an overflow of what God is doing for us personally. And um, so I had that idea and then I heard this thought. And so I want to share it with you uh, because it's absolutely just once I caught this, it totally shifted the way that I lived. And so I want to share this. Um, this thought is interesting. Anytime that you're off, or you're burned out, or you're struggling with something, anytime that you feel like you're missing something in your life, you need to know this. The devil or the enemy, or however you want to say it, is not qualified to take from you. 
you have to give it up. And so anytime like something is hitting a wall or you're in a struggle or you're, something's off kilter in your life, you have to go, God, where did I allow poor thinking or an open door or a blind spot to, to grow in my life that, I, that I'm missing it? Now, listen, there are times where you feel like the enemy is winning in your life and, it, and it's just a season where, where God is, is doing something in you. But I'm talking about failure. You missed it. You're not just in a season, you know, you hit the ground. You got to take a look back and go, okay, where was my blind spot? Where did I allow, where did I allow the enemy to win? And so I want to encourage you in that. Anytime you're off, sometimes you have to go, where did I give him permission in my life to beat me? Somebody say, got it. And so uh, part of it, I believe, where we give it up, where we give up space, is when we're very unprioritized in our life. And I'm not talking about like chores, take out the garbage, da 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 I'm talking about every January, we all make the list of we're going to pray more and we're going to read the Bible more with our kids and we're going to do all these kind of things. And then we don't do them by the, you know, we have all these passions about how we want to raise our families or how we want to interact with people at our work. We have all these ideas, but then we get off kilter. Why? Because you're not keeping your eyes on the vision that God spoke to you. And so I think that's one area that we really give space to the enemy is when we just, we just let ourselves become sloppy in keeping our eye on the prize. And so I'm encouraging you today in this talk, and this is for me too, as I go through this, I'm just like, oh, I'm missing it here, I'm missing it here, I'm missing it here. Uh, it's very important for us to keep the main thing the main thing. And it's the same thing with that talk that I had from my mentor. Um, if it was all about all these other good things, but it wasn't about my ultimate relationship with God, then I'm going to miss it by a mile. Somebody say amen. We all know Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision, people perish. People cease to exist. They cease to function. They cease to be what they're supposed to be living and how they're supposed to be living. Um, Vision is followed by direction. You guys have all met the dreamers, right? We all sit down with the dreamer and they're telling you all about the vision, all about the vision, all about the vision. But if all you have is vision and you don't prioritize and put things in place with the direction, how are you going to do it? Here's how we're going to do it. Here's how we're going to do it. And so it's great to have vision, but you got to put some direction in there. And how do you prioritize? How do you put all that in order? And that's what we're going to talk about today. I believe the number one reason we have a drug problem or we have uh, some of the things that are destroying the country, I believe it's just because we have a generation that doesn't have vision for their life. They don't have goals. They don't have passions. And so they just take whatever comes their way. And so any old girl, any old guy, any, they, they just take whatever comes their way. And they say they're being free. Well, I'm just being free. I'm just living life. YOLO or whatever. Uh, my daughter calls yogurt YOLO. So she walks around the office like, YOLO. I'm like, I don't like that, Caroline. Don't say that. Uh, she just wants yogurt. But um, so if she's doing that, don't think that we let her be crazy. Uh, give her yogurt is what you need to do. So um, anyway, so I believe one thing that robs a generation is that they don't have a goal. They don't have a purpose. They don't have an intention. Um, you know, you, you take a look back at the great generations before us, and, and they could tell you their plan, and they could tell you their goals for their family and what they want to do with the simple things, their property, and their this, and their that. They were very put together. Um, it's great. It's a great thing. It's a value that we've missed in the speed of technology. So we can jump from here to here to here to here to here, and it pulls you in all these different ways, and it kind of, it's easy to get off the road. Um, 
So Matthew 6.33 talks about it. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God, and everything else will be added to you. And so it says that there is a thing and there is a way that you need to be pursuing. So when we read this scripture, we like to say, oh, everything else will be added unto us. But the first part is seek first or pursue first or put first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added unto you. So you have to ask yourself the question every day, what does the kingdom look like? In my life, what does the kingdom look like? So in my family, what would it look like to have a kingdom family? What would it look like to have kingdom finances? What would it look like to have kingdom relationships at work and all these different things that we do, raising our kids? What does it look like to have kingdom first? What kind of people are in it? What do they talk like? What does it sound like? And I'm not talking about being exclusive. I'm talking about you have priorities and you put things in place that make sure It's keeping you pursuing the kingdom of God because then everything else will be added unto you. I know in Corinthians when they talk about taking communion, it says every time you take communion, it says let a man examine himself. Why? Because before you take that communion, it's so important for us as we focus on God to say, hey, is everything put in the place that it's supposed to be? Am I, is the kingdom first in my life? Is everything in the right order? And uh, because it's so easy to get out of balance. It's so easy to get off the side of the road and miss what God has assigned us to do. And so there's this great story. And the first time I heard it, I just thought, oh my gosh, uh, this is a crazy thought, but um, you're going to get it here at the end. You're going to love it. So Luke chapter 40 or chapter four, verse 40 says this, Luke 4.40 says, At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sicknesses, and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out shouting, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew he was the Messiah. And then if you jump over to verse 42, I don't have this part on the screen because I broke it up, but it says this. It says, at daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place, and I'll keep reading verse of 42. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them, but he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns. That is why I was sent. So first of all, we're going to back up. It said at the beginning of verse 42, I don't have it on the screen, but, it, but, but look at me and hear this. It says this, it says, at daybreak, he went to a solitary place or an introverted place, or you could say an unpopular place or a friendless place. Jesus took time to go to a place that was quiet, that was alone, that was a place that he could make sure he was seeking first the kingdom of God, pursuing. and a lot of us don't make time for that, number one. You're trying to stay prioritized. You're trying to stay making the main thing, the main thing, keeping the kingdom first, all this kind of stuff. And you're not even taking time. And I say you, this is me too. Trust me, I'm the most guilty. Uh, We're not even taking the time to resort back and even ask God, hey, God, I'm in a solitary. Hey, speak to me. I want to spend time with you. I want to. And so the first thing even Jesus had to do was break away and sort of refill with God. Like I was talking about earlier in your life with all of the ways that you can access technology and noise and all this kind of stuff, it is so crucial for you to set quiet place, place where you get away from friends and social and status and all this kind of stuff. You get away and get a place that you're quiet. I'm not saying you have to go light incense and sit in the dark. For some of you, that honestly might be a lawnmower. That works for me. Get on the mower and go mow for an hour. It's just me and God talking about like, oh, yeah, we're just mowing. And obviously it's not quiet. There's a motor running. But uh, 
But I'm saying your place. For, for some of you, whatever it is, a, a tanning bed, a, or maybe that's bad for you, but, uh, and so don't do that. But, but your hobby, a, a quiet place, whatever, uh, find that place, first of all, that you're saying, God, download into me what you would have me do and live and operate in. And so uh, that's one thing. And so check this out. So Jesus did that. He went away to a solitary place. And the scripture says that people were looking for him. And he said, uh, he said, he can't stay. I'm going to be leaving. I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom to other towns. That is why I was sent. Check this out. Here's the story. Jesus spends the night in a town. He's healing all kinds of people, delivering demons, all this kind of stuff that he does. And he goes away. And then the next day they say, hey, um, other towns have heard of this. They've heard of what you've done. This is incredible. This has a lot of buzz to it. Um, good news, Jesus. People are coming here uh, from all over the place to be a part of what you're doing. Uh, this is going to be awesome. And Jesus goes, nope, I'm going to leave. So all these good needs, all these real needs, all these good things come before Jesus and he leaves? Like the first time I heard this, I was like, what? You know, uh, he turned his back on real issues, real sick people, real people with real needs. Jesus says, no, I'm leaving. So you're kind of like, what in the world is going on here? And then he says, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns. That's why I was sent. Number one, Jesus knew why he was sent. We all need to know why we're sent. We need to know why we're here and keep that in the main thing. Uh, all these good, good needs. And Jesus says, no, I, I need to leave. Now imagine the guilt trip too, right? So Jesus is leaving. He's turning his back on all these people. He's probably getting hit with everything. I thought that you loved the world. I thought that you, all this kind of stuff. And, uh, and Jesus kept going. He was on his way, even though they were good needs. And so at some point, Jesus turned his back on people. Isn't that hard to swallow when you think about it? Uh, but even Jesus understood that there are things that he doesn't have to do at all. You don't have to do at all. Now, I know I'm on like thin ice. You guys are like, wait, you better clean that up. But Jesus knew that there was other people empowered to handle those good needs. And so for you, every time in Christianity, the biggest thing, I think the way that the enemy can keep us distracted is if we fall for every good thing. So God's got a great thing he wants you to do that he's called you to, that he's assigned you to. And if the enemy can keep you distracted with all kinds of little good things, it'll hold you back from the great thing you were actually called to be. And the scripture says in Psalm 37, 23, the steps of, the, of, the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. And here's why I want to prove this about Jesus, where he had focus on one thing. Luke 9.51 says, As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. The word resolutely there can be translated stubbornly or purposely. So as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus stubbornly set out for Jerusalem. Luke 13.22, Then Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Luke 17, 11, now on his way to, you with me? Slow crowd today, are we? <laughs> on his way to Jerusalem, he did all these things. Luke 18, 31, Jesus took the 12 aside and told them we are going on our way to Luke 19, 28. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. His biggest thing was to get to his calling. How many know when he got to Jerusalem? This is where uh, everything went down, led to the cross. That was his ultimate purpose, uh, redemption of all of us. And so all along the way as he did these things, the writer didn't put this in here for like directions for you. 
uh, like, oh, just so you know. And no, he put this in here because it was very important. Jesus' thing was, hey, I'm here, I'm doing these things, but ultimately the most important thing is that I get to Jerusalem. The main thing of the main thing is that I get to Jerusalem because that's my ultimate call. How is it that Jesus did all these great things? How is it that all these miracles? How is it that he was able to walk in all this uh, greatness? How is it that his batting average, you could say, was so great? I can tell you it's because he kept the main thing in front of him. This is my ultimate thing. And anything else that gets in the way of my Jerusalem has to go because that's the most important thing. Could it be he was so focused His idea was, does this help me on my way to Jerusalem or does this hurt me on my way to Jerusalem? Everything he said was and did was held up to the main thing, Jerusalem. Does it help me or does it hurt me? I'll close with this if DJ wants to come up. Everything in our life, I think the best filter that we can have is this. Does it help me or does it hurt me on my ultimate purpose? Uh, Obviously, we, we love that people come and serve and get connected and there's a thing that we're going to launch here coming up in the fall called Growth Track. And when you go through Growth Track, it's only four weeks long. Uh, it's not one of those 21-week membership classes or anything like that. It's just this thing called Growth Track. And the purpose of it is this. There's personality testings. There's spiritual gift testings. And I'm not trying to spook anybody away with, like, it doesn't ask you about your Bible history or anything like that. It's not that. But what it does is this. It says, hey, what's your greatest strengths? What's your best giftings? Uh, if you're someone who loves to set things up like my wife and make it look good and all that kind of stuff, uh, if you have that gift, we want you to be doing that. If you're like my wife and you had to come up here and speak, there would be like a puddle on the floor. It would be a bad thing. <laughs> We're not going to have you do that if that's not your gifting. Uh, and, and is that true? Right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, so that's, so that's just it. Obviously I could get up here and talk all the time. So, but if I had to put something together, you know, like. Oh, anyway, so we were organizing some stuff over the weekend and I'll organize something and then I'll come back and it's either not there anymore or different. (laughs) It's because I didn't do it right. You know, like I don't organize things. So, um, so we as a church, we so much believe in putting people in the right place. Why? Because I believe the enemy can rob you with a bunch of good things and keep you from the greatest thing. And I think that's one way that we get taken out and we miss our ultimate story is you get distracted, can be good things. It's a good thing, but it's not the best thing. And so you got to set a priority of, okay, God, what are the best things that you've called me to? And that's where that solitary place, that's where that quiet time with God keeps you focused, keeps you on it with God, because he, he points you to, hey, this, this, this. All of a sudden we're just kind of running shotgun, just taking a blast at everything. And it's not as strategic. So what is the best thing? There's a story in John 4 where the, Jesus and the disciples are walking, and you guys all know the story, but um, he stops at the well, and he stops, and literally he tells the guys, like, they were actually going to get food, and he says, hey, go ahead. Jesus, even Jesus, says, I'm tired. Why don't you guys go ahead? I'll be here. So even Jesus, the Son of God, wasn't afraid to say, hey, you know what? I need a breather. Like, I'm going to take a time out. Um, I'm more tired than you guys are. Why don't you go ahead? And sometimes as Christians, especially, we're not very good at just admitting where we are. Hey, you know what? I need to take a second and reorganize and put things in their place. We're always trying to keep up. 
and do more and do more and be holier and be holier. And, do, and then all of a sudden you're just this mutt of nothing God called you to be. Somebody say amen. Especially in our lives. We try to make our weekends busier than the last. More social engagements, more things, more classes, more activities. We want the faster car, the newer clothes, the bigger friends list, the more contacts. We always try to go more and more and more. And God's way, Jesus' way is like, hey, prioritize. Go to the solitary place. Make sure you're seeking first the kingdom. If the enemy can take you out, it's going to be in a way that it's like, hey, let me make you tired and exhausted and unprioritized and essentially ineffective. Jesus understood that, hey, this, this, I'm going to take a minute here. You guys go ahead. And he understood. I'm not saying that he embraced limits or he embraced uh, Jesus was not limited. He wasn't limited. And I'll clear this up here in a minute. You're kind of going like, I don't know. You're saying Jesus wasn't all powerful. You'll see here in a minute. But Jesus understood, hey, this is where I truthfully am. And God has called me to steward everything in my life in order. So if that affects it, if that affects it, it's got to go. Because ultimately, I'm responsible for my stewardship with God and seeking first the kingdom. John 5, 19, this is where I say it. Well, let me back up before I say that. I believe when you identify where you're at, that's when God can help you break through. But when you run around just, oh, I'm not admitting anything. Oh, I'm not. A, then then there, God can't step in. It's like you're saying to God, like, no, I got it. I don't need you. I got it. I got it. No, no, no. You survey everything, solitary place, seek first the kingdom, prioritize, and then say, God, I need you here, here, and here. And he helps you break through. John 5, 19 says, Jesus gave this answer. He said, very truly, I tell you, the son of God can do nothing by himself. The son of God can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son does also. For the father loves his son and shows or guides him in all that he does. Everything Jesus did, every decision he made, every step he took was spirit led, was father God led. That's the life we're called to live. Could Jesus being all power run around and do all this kind of thing? But he was submitted to God. He was seeking first the kingdom. His story was about God, what do you want to do in me? Understanding, being honest where he's at, and then laying it at the foot of the cross, laying it to God and saying, hey, now direct me. I'm not going to do anything unless you lead me or direct me. He was so close with God that everything he did was ordered of God. Could you imagine in your life, if every text, every email, every phone call, every decision you made at work, every step you took was led by God, what that would do in our community and in our area. And obviously that's what we strive for every day. But think about that. If we pulled back and we made sure we were putting the kingdom first, our story was about God. I'm seeking you. I'm saying no to a few things that are good things. We bless those things, but they're holding me back from the ultimate thing. Imagine how great it would be. Our society is full of options. And I believe that options ultimately can just pull you apart. So many things would be apart, pull you this way, pull you this way, pull you, and then you're just so out of joint because you've gotten pulled so many different directions that you're ineffective. I'm saying our story should be, we don't do anything unless the Father tells us to do it. We've spent time in a solitary place with God that he calls us and he orders us and he directs us and says, do this, be here, do this. How many know there's good things that you can be a part of, but they're not the best thing? 
We bless them. We love them. They're great. And I believe this. God won't send you until you're ready. God won't send you what you need unless you're ready. And so I'll say it like this. Sometimes you take up a seat when you're in a good thing that you're not supposed to be in, but it's a good thing. You're taking up the seat of the person who is called to that. And it's their great thing and you're blocking it. Everybody's like, oh yeah, that's really heavy. I'm not, okay. So everybody's like, now what do I do? What do I go home and quit? I'm not saying any of that. Let's be real. I'm saying go to the solitary place because we have to be so kingdom minded, okay? That you wanna be in your great seat so you're not sitting in somebody else's great seat while you're in a good seat. We have to just be okay with if you're not in the limelight or it's not the thing that you thought it was, but it's what God called you to, to, called you to. We have to be so kingdom minded that it's okay if you feel like you have a limit. If God the Father spoke you to be there, be there and serve and, and, and go to, but don't be a part of good things just because you feel like it's what you should do, it's your duty. Make sure God called you to it. Somebody say amen. So what does it look like for you? I mean, what, what is ultimately your Jerusalem? I was with this crazy guy, uh, one of my best friends, probably again, maybe five or six, seven years ago, and we were at Panera Bread and it was really busy. So honestly, here to the wall was the line and my buddy, he's crazy and um, in a good way, you know, just fun. And so we're standing in this line and uh, it, it was moving forward. And, uh, and of course we were in the line and the guys in front of me, they weren't moving. And so there was the line and they weren't moving. and so. My buddy, he just starts getting crazy and he's like, uh, what are you doing? You know, they're like, didn't even hear that. He's like, what are you doing? WW Dot, what are you doing? You know, he's like really starting to be crazy behind him. They were just totally clueless. Had no idea, one, that the line moved in front of him or two, that we're like razzing him behind him. And God spoke to me in that moment. How many of us do that every day? God's like, hey, what are you doing? WW Dot. Stuff is moving in front of you and God, and God in every area around you is trying to get your attention. And you're on your phone and you're getting your notifications and you're talking about blah, blah, the soup or whatever the shows are, I don't know. Ellen, you know, whatever, I don't know. Uh, think about it. God, every day, we said, God, where are you? He's like, what are you talking about? I was at Panera, you didn't move. You know, like, think about it often. We got to go to the solitary place, go to our, and, and it doesn't always have to be quiet. I got my playlist. We updated, <laughs> we updated our, ours last night. We last night sat on the bed like, oh, we need more solitary music. Uh, so we updated our stuff. And so uh, that's what it's about. Getting to a place with God where we're saying, Father God, everything we do, our story wants to be directed by you. I'm not the director. <laughs> God is. Uh, let's get to a place where he leads. Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet? you bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're in here this morning and you've never made a commitment for Christ or you've never made the decision to choose to follow him as your Lord and Savior, if that's you in here, I would love to pray that prayer with you. Not going to embarrass you, not going to call you out of your seat or have you come forward or anything like that. Uh, right where you are, you can raise your hand and on the count of three, I'll have you do that. Um, and I'll just notice your hand and then I'll be in agreement with you praying. And uh, the scripture says that all who are called upon all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, 
you've made a commitment to Christ. And so nothing crazy, no class, nothing like that. It's crazy in the sense that it changes your life forever for the best. Uh, so I want to give you that opportunity. You'll stay right in your seat and we'll all pray together. But with nobody looking around, if that's you, you say, man, Josh, that's my first step in seeking first the kingdom is getting my heart right with God. If that's you, nobody looking around, I'll be the only one who notices. If that's you, put your hand up on three. One, two, three. Anybody in here? Put it up high enough for me to see. Awesome. Awesome, great. If you weren't able to put your hand up, but you say, oh man, that is still me, right on your card, there's a little tab on the back that says, uh, I made a commitment for Christ or I'm recommitting my life for Christ. If you fill that out, um, I can pray for you this week. Uh, I can connect with you and we can do that. But I wanted to encourage you in that. Second is all of us. We all have places where we were the people in Panera Bread, where we just, we just missed God or we didn't make time for his leading or his prompting or <coughs> whatever. Um, if that's you, it's all of us. Let's just go before God and, and realize that, hey, today he's spoken a word to us. We want to be conscious of putting the kingdom first so that we can live our best life. So think about it this morning as you're here. I just want to be a little sensitive. I don't want to blow through it. So as you're here, think about those areas that maybe you were the person in the Panera line or you were someone who was kind of out of priority. And just have a moment with God where you say, Father God, I don't want to do anything unless you lead me, unless you guide me. I want to keep my eyes first on the kingdom of God. And the best part of that is the promise of when we live that way, seek first the kingdom of God. The promise is that everything else is added unto you. See, the reason we try to keep up with the Joneses, the reason we try to keep busy is because we're trying to add unto our own life. But it's when you actually seek first the kingdom of God that God supernaturally catches you up. Okay? And so seek first the kingdom of God. Everything else will be added to us. So let's just go before the Lord. God, we love you so much. In this moment, holy moment today, make an impression on our lives, on our hearts, that we want to be a people who keep first the kingdom of God, what it looks like, what it sounds like, how it acts. And we want it to be spirit-led by God the Father. Every decision we make, every thought, every step, every action. God, we want to be led by you. We know we're not perfect. We know that we're going to miss it. But God, we need your help. So give us a passion for the solitary place where we can step away and connect with you and reignite with you and be led by you. God, we want to be the best we can be in our marriages, in our families, in our finances, on our jobs, in our schools, in our community. We want to be the best. And to do that is to be led by you. So we give you everything this morning. We lay down our lives. We say, lead us, guide us, direct us, mold us. In your name we pray.